There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Welcome to the Health Essentials Podcast, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. I'm your host, Deanna Pogorels. Now, as many of us work our way through month three of staying home and social distancing, it's not surprising that we might find ourselves stuck in a bit of a food rut. Maybe you're sick of cooking, or you've had one too many takeout meals, or you've understandably been doing a little comfort eating during this stressful time. So to help us out with this, we have dietitian Beth Cerrone here virtually to help us bust out of this food rut. Hi, Beth. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Before we get started, please remember that this is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So Beth, can we start by talking about some of the food challenges that people might be experiencing during this crisis? I think one of the ones I hear most commonly is either mindless eating or emotional eating. Why are we prone to do that? Well, I think, you know, there's so many things that are just up in the air. We really don't know what this whole pandemic is going to do for us. You know, there's not a sense of normalcy. We kind of have to create our own new ways, our new habits. You could be working from home. You could be working part-time at home and the other time, you know, at, at your office. The office isn't going to look the same anymore. You're not going to have the accessibility to foods, to restaurants, those types of things. So a lot of times people do normally just gravitate towards eating as comfort. And so we see a lot of that and we see a lot of bad choices. We see a lot of comfort foods. We see a lot of people just kind of maybe never had to cook before and now they feel like they have to cook because they don't have the accessibility. So there's a, there's so many new trends and changes that I've been seeing. Um, and so part of my role is to help people kind of navigate towards that um, to get a little bit more, like I said, sense of normalcy and a routine. Yeah, so people are struggling a little bit with turning to food for comfort. Um, do you have any tips to help people kind of work through that? So I think it's really important that when we talk about mindful eating. So mindful eating is really being intentional, making sure that you have set meal times, that you're dis, you know, the distractions are going to be lessened. You're actually sitting at a table. You're not on, you know, your phone going through Instagram. You're not answering emails. You're not watching television. You're sitting down. You're having your meal. It's planned. Um, mindlessness comes very easily. That autopilot is, is, you know, a lot of times hard to turn off. And that's just when you have that bag of chips and you're just sitting there watching your Netflix and you're just eating and eating and eating. So I think it's important to identify if you're more prone to do some mindless eating and some graze eating, and then really set up those routine meal times. I think that that's going to help um, decrease the distractions, you know, portioning out your meals, not eating out of containers, not eating over the sink is another good way that we encourage our patients to really um, be able to focus on what you're eating and, um, because when you identify what you're eating, you're going to end up eating less. You're going to have that sense of fullness and that sense of satisfaction a lot sooner. I also wanted to ask you about weight loss. This feels like a particularly challenging time for someone who's trying to lose weight. Um, are you seeing patients have success with that? Or is that a reasonable expectation for us to have at this time? 
So interestingly enough, I work in the Metabolic and Bariatric Institute. So I work with patients that are preparing to have weight loss surgery. So the, through this entire pandemic, they have been working just so hard. I'm so proud of my patients. They really are 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 taking the challenge um, of this pandemic, and they're 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 successful. Um, you can lose weight. I think that when we look at the whole the whole way of looking at things, you know, some people are losing weight because now they're eating at home. So they're not eating out. They're not tempted to do that. They're, they're forced to eat, you know, what they have at home. They're not going to the grocery store because they don't feel like it's safe to go out every other day. They're cooking more. Um, so they're losing weight that way. They're not snacking as much because again, they're not going to the vending machines at work. They're not having potlucks. They're not, um, you know, we eat, we eat more when we socialize. So, you know, just by being a little, you know, a little bit more in self-isolation, you're going to be eating a little bit less. So it is possible. So you, it's kind of a, a flip of the coin. You know, we do have some of those that graze a little bit more, that are a little bit more stressed. And so they end up eating more. Um, and then we've got some that are like, I'm going to take this opportunity that I'm, I'm, I'm at home and I'm going to be able to focus on myself and I'm going to be able to focus on what I'm eating and they are successful. So it really is possible, but you kind of have to have a plan. Right. Uh, and you mentioned people maybe going to the grocery store less. Um, so I wanted to ask you about canned and frozen food. Mm -hmm. Maybe people are working through some of that stuff that they've had forever. Um, is, are those just as healthy as like fresh produce? Is anything lost in the process of canning or freezing? So when we're looking at canned versus frozen, you know, any, there are benefits to both. So fresh, you know, fresh, you know, a lot of times isn't always best. So sometimes the fresh vegetables have been traveling from a very long distance. And so as it's sitting in the storage, it's losing some of its nutrients. So actually the frozen vegetables could actually be a better option because they are picked and frozen within hours of being, um, you know, harvested. So you're going to retain a lot more of your nutrition that way. And then when we're looking at canned vegetables, you know, a lot of times canned vegetables can stretch for a very long time. They've got a very long shelf life. And so things like canned tomatoes actually are going to be healthier than the raw version because anytime that you heat tomatoes, the lycopene is going to be developed and that's actually really good for eyes, um, for eye health. So depending on, you know, what it is. Now, granted, you know, a lot of times canned vegetables can have a little bit more sodium. So if you choose lower sodium versions and they make those, um, you can do that. If not, you can always rinse those vegetables, you know, in a colander under running water for a couple of minutes. You're going to get majority of the salt out. So I don't want people to shy away necessarily from canned vegetables. If that's what you have, let's use it up. Let's just be a little bit smarter in how we're going to prepare that food. Yeah. And if people are trying to shop with kind of the idea that they might not going, be going to the grocery mm -hmm. store for a while more. Are there some staples, some shelf stable staples that you would recommend people yeah. keeping in their freezers or in their cabinets? I am a big fan of canned beans and um, dried beans. I, I think that they're really good budget friendly, but they help extend the meal a lot of times. Um, meat's expensive. And, you know, we've been seeing recently that there's been meat shortages, so they're going to be a little bit more expensive. So adding lentils or legumes or beans to, to stews or to casseroles are going to help extend 
that meal a little bit longer and they're so inexpensive. So I'm a big fan of any kind of dried or canned bean. I'm a big fan of quinoa and brown rice and any of those kinds of whole grains that again are going to be very shelf stable. They're going to be very budget friendly. They don't take up a lot of space um, in your kitchen and those are going to be things that you can use that um, because they're dried you're going to end up using you know not that much and they're going to be able to expand. So they're going to be able to like I said stretch that meal for many more days. Yeah. Okay, another thing I wanna ask you about is food boredom. Um, I feel like, at least for me, I've been struggling to cook every day, you know, not really going out to restaurants or going mm -hmm. to other people's houses for dinner. Can you share some ideas on what we can do to kind of shake up the meal routine a little bit? Yeah, this is a hard one because especially if you, I mean, there are some people who granted, they want, they can eat the same thing every day. They don't mind. And, and that's great. But a lot of us do, we really want to have some sort of variety, whether that's actual, um, you know, the eating out versus eating in versus ordering a pizza, you know, those types of things. So, you know, I, again, you got to plan for these kinds of things. So I'm a big fan. If you know me at all, I'm a big fan of theme meals. I love to throw parties and I really like to have themes. So a lot of times we'll have, you know, meatless Monday, you know, of course we have taco Tuesday. Um, we'll have pizzas on, on Friday. And so it changes a little bit. It looks a little different now. And so you may end up still supporting your local businesses and saying, you know, once or twice a week, I'm going to go order out and I'm going to support them and that's great um, but maybe you you aren't able to do that or it just really doesn't you're not in the mood for it so really looking at different websites really looking at different um, cook going through some old cookbooks maybe finding some themes I think that that's going to be really important um, just to kind of get different ideas, using different herbs, different spices, eating seasonally. So of course now we've got a lot more, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables, zucchinis and, and summer squash and all the great herbs. So using those as well, I mean, grilling season, right? So that kind of helps things a little bit easier too. You can do a nice spice rub on some, you know, you know, fish or some poultry and then you can grill it. Um, I love my multi-cooker. My multi-cooker, that is the best thing, that, um, that gift that I've ever gotten because you can throw together a meal in less than an hour that would normally take all day. So using different maybe tools that maybe you hadn't used in a while, crock pots, instant cookers, um, you know, any of those kinds of things, that might help things get a little bit more interesting as well. Yeah, so you mentioned those herbs and spices. What are some favorites that you have in your cupboard? So I am a big fan of the warm spices. I love cumin, I love curry. It's just something, it just makes the house just smell delicious. So I use that a lot of times. Um, I'm using a lot more spice rubs. I'm using a lot of smoked paprika. I think it gives a really nice smoky flavor to things. Um, I love herbs. I love basil, I love parsley, um, oregano, any of those dill, dill, oh my gosh. So these things are really fun. You can buy them already grown and then just repot them at home. So if you feel like you want to be a gardener, um, because that's going to, you're going to fresh, you know, herbs and spices at any time. One of the tricks I, a lot of times, especially towards the end of the season is you can always take those herbs, you know, you can pulse them down in a food processor. You can throw some um, extra virgin olive oil on top of them in some ice um, cube trays, freeze them, store them for later. And then you're going to have, you know, anything that you, any of those herbs and spices that you can use to finish off, off dishes when it gets colder and you don't have the access to those um, fresh herbs anymore. 
Yeah, that's a great idea. What about, you mentioned also some seasonal produce. What are some of your favorites this time of year? So of course, zucchini and summer squash are always going to be ones I'm, you know, citrus, citrus is always going to brighten anything up and they last a long time, you know, lemons and limes, oranges, any of those kinds of things. Those are going to be used for a marinade. You can use the zest um, to kind of finish off a salad. So any of those are going to be great. Berries now are in season. So that's always a really good, um, veg, you know, fruit that you can use, but really looking at, you know, if, if we ever get the opportunity, you know, go back to think about the farmer's markets and think about the things that you would normally go there. Um, peruse the, you know, peruse the, the, the produce section, maybe find something you don't normally use or, or you don't know what to do with like fennel. Like it's got such a great licorice flavor. Like some people don't even know what to do with it. Challenge yourself. You know, we've got some downtime. Challenge yourself to find a new recipe, some, a new product. You might find out that you love it. Right. So it's just really just being, being brave to experiment. I think that that's going to be an important part of kind of getting through all this. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of people doing these beautiful charcuterie boards oh, and gosh. kind of like snack meals. Mm -hmm. um, is that, can that be healthy? It can be. I mean, it can get us in trouble too. So, you know, we have to kind of be cautious with this. One of the things I always look for when I make a charcuterie tray myself is I always try to find meats that don't have a lot of nitrates that aren't overly processed and you can find them. It takes a little bit of time, but you can find them. Um, I think it's also, you know, we look with our eyes. So making a lot of very nice colors is going to be important. So having a lot of fresh fruits, a lot of fresh vegetables, we can do, you know, we don't always have to look at olives um, and tempanades and those types of things. We can do roasted red peppers. Maybe you want to do a mushroom pate, hummus. Hummus is so easy to make. You can throw some roasted vegetables um, in that as well to make things interesting. So any of those kinds of things are going to be in season, they're going to be tasty, and they're going to be a little bit more interesting. Um, I mean, if you want to take some prosciutto and wrap it in melon or some, you know, watermelon, or if you want to have some cheese, you know, you want to get some of the lower fat cheeses. So like a feta or a goat cheese, or maybe some of the harder cheeses like a Parmesan or, or a sharp cheddar. Any of those are going to be better choices than maybe the traditional ones that you would normally find. Sure. So I wanted to get your take on a few of the food trends that I've seen emerge during this quarantine period and uh, kind of see whether they're healthy and if not, if there are swaps or substitutes that could be made to um, lighten them up a little sure. bit. So the first one is banana bread. Um, yes. I've seen a lot of people using up their brown bananas and it's comforting, but is it healthy? So banana bread has taken over, right? Banana bread has taken over. So, you know, I mean... Honestly, you know, too much of a good thing is too much of a good thing. So we've got to kind of, you know, be cautious. We kind of have to pay attention um, to, you know, how much are we having, right? So, yeah, we need to use up those, those bad bananas. Um, you can always freeze them for later to, to be able to use them up. Um, but, you know, to make them a little healthier, you know, like, let's, let's see what, you know, what are we putting into it. So, you know, you can always decrease the sugar, the amount of sugar um, by a third, and you're still going to get, because bananas are so sweet. So you can decrease the amount of sugar in the whole product without really um, making it taste differently or, or compromising the texture. So that's going to be important. You can always decrease the amount of eggs, the whole eggs. You can do more egg whites than whole eggs. So that would always be another thing. Um, and then certainly using applesauce in front of, instead of oil is another good way to kind of swap things out without really changing the overall 
texture because you kind of expect a certain consistency, a certain way that it's supposed to taste. So you can, I wouldn't make all the changes. I would maybe pick one or two, um, but I certainly wouldn't make a complete overhaul because it's going to, might be a little bit of a disaster. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, a second one, also bread, but sourdough mm -hmm. bread. So many people doing their sourdough starters. Um, what is it specifically about sourdough that's so interesting or special? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I admit, I mean, I have, I've done quite a bit of sourdough um, through this pandemic. Um, you know, I don't know what the, the exact draw is. It's, it's, um, maybe it's because you have to knead it, you know, six to 10 times every half of an hour. And so maybe it just helps with re overall, you know, reduction of stress, and, you know, those types of things. I'm not really quite sure. Um, I mean, it's fun to make the starter. I'll be perfectly honest. It's fun to make the starter, to, to find that, to feed it. Um, to have something, you know, to make from it. Um, you know, fermented foods themselves have been shown to really increase, you know, the, the gut flora, it helps with our immune functions. So there's a lot of really good results that come out of fermented foods. But unfortunately, once you throw the bread in the oven, any of that, you know, fermentation, any of that kind of good gut flora potential is kind of gone. So we can't really think of it as a probiotic food. Okay. Um, while we're on the topic of breads, can I ask you about yeah. carbs? And, um, you know, a lot of people kind of think carbs are bad and are they all bad or some good, some not good? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I really hate to label food as good or bad. I think it really is important to kind of understand, you know, are you more prone to eat more carbs than you are other foods? Um, is it going to be a whole grain? Is it going to be a high fiber version? Is it going to be a simple, um, carb that are like cookies, cake, sweets, you know, those types of things. I think everything in balance is going to be important. I think if you are, you know, we tend to go towards carbs for, for comfort. And so sometimes we end up not making good choices per se, because we're eating a little bit more. Um, and sometimes some of the carbs are a little bit more calorically dense. So you end up you know, eating a little bit more and, and that type of thing. So you just kind of have to balance it out. You kind of have to just see how everything balances out and um, not really, like I said, label it good or bad, you know? So with sourdough, is there any way to kind of improve the health of that? Can you use the whole wheat flour or anything? You could, you could, and I do. And I, uh, my starter, I did with whole wheat bread, uh, flour rather. And you could, you, I mean, there's not a lot to it to really try to change up the components of it to make it any healthier. So yeah, probably the best, the best change would to me, but to be the whole, the whole wheat flour. Yeah. And it doesn't really change the consistency of the texture that much. So if you're kind of nervous about using that, it doesn't make it necessarily any denser or heavier. So it's a, it's pretty close to the original. Okay, great. What about whipped coffee? I've seen a lot of this. Um, what is it and, and what's in it? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm guilty of this trend as well. Um, a lot of times I'll stick it in my protein drink in the morning. Um, and really what it is, is it's just instant coffee with some sugar, some hot water, and you just whip it till, you know, you aerate it and you whip it and you can throw it over. And I've seen it over almond milk or skim milk. Um, like I said, I personally put mine in my protein drink in the morning. So that way I get that little bit of caffeine and then I get my protein drink. So um, it's just, a, I mean, it's a trend. I don't know where it came from. I, I don't know if it's going anywhere. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to do. It, it's delicious. Um, so it's probably going to stay, especially if people are more prone to not be going out, not getting their morning coffee. Um, 
it's certainly something that, you know, people are going to be able to try and to be able to use. Okay. And then finally, homemade pizza. Can you give us some tips to making a healthy homemade pizza? Yeah. So it's really all about the toppings. So just being aware of what you're going to put on and how much. So again, you really want to stay away from a lot of the heavier meats, the pepperonis and the sausages and that type of thing, you know, and fill it up with lots of veggies if you can, you know, that's going to be a really good way to get the volume you're looking for, to get the mouthfeel, to get, to get, to feel like you're actually eating something, but you're not going to have a lot of calories. And then, you know, depending on how you're going to make it, you know, thin crust is going to of course be a little bit better, you know, less calories, you know, than the thicker crust or the Chicago style, that type of thing. So it's really just taking the time to see what are you going to put on it? And then certainly how much are you going to eat of it? So you guys got to be aware of that as well. You can't finish the whole thing. For someone ordering takeout, maybe uh, what are some tips for finding something that isn't going to completely, you know, destroy their day and, and send them, send them off the rails? So I think a lot of times, you know, with everything being online, it's really much easier. You can look at the menu. You can see what do you want. What did you already have for the day? Have you allotted the calories for, you know, maybe indulging at your favorite restaurant? You, you don't normally have it. So you're going to be able to indulge a little bit more. Maybe not. So then you're going to have to maybe be able to modify that a little bit, you know, less, you know, dressing or, you know, avoiding having heavier sauces or meats or those types of things. So I think looking ahead, a lot of times, you know, menus will already have the calorie levels already listed. So that might help you as well, make a big, you know, a better decision overall. Um, and then certainly, you know, if it's really very good, you can always split it, right? So you have what you want and you just know that you got to split the portion and have the other half for another meal. And it might work out that way too. Sure. Great. Well, do you have any other final words of wisdom or encouragement for people who feel maybe like they just aren't eating their best right now? I think the best thing, and this is what I go over with my patients, is get a routine. Get some sort of routine. So, you know, as as we're, you know, going into the next month and some some of our of our patients might be going back to work, like I said, they might be going back part-time, they might be going not going back at all. I think we, it's important we get a routine. I think we need to get a routine eating schedule. I think we need to get a routine sleep schedule. I think we get, need to get a routine sleep cycle because when you don't sleep well, you're going to end up eating more the next day. If your stress isn't able to be managed, you're going to end up going towards that comfort foods, those grazing foods. So I think it's really important that you kind of look at the big picture and not just necessarily the nutrition part of it, because when we don't sleep well, when we're not, um, you know, when we are feeling stressed, those are all going to affect our eating habits and our food choices. I think that's really important. Have a plan know what you're going to do, know what you're going to eat, know when you're going to go to the grocery store, you know, know when you're going to eat out, when you're going to, like I said, going to support those local businesses. You know, a lot of the local, um, you know, churches and, um, and other um, organizations are having food drives. So maybe that's something that you want to be a part of and you want to be able to help others. So make that part of your shopping list as well so that you're able to help and you're not running at the last minute back and forth to the grocery stores when you don't need to. And I think the really the most important thing, and I talk this about this a lot with my patients, is have an attitude of gratitude. You know, everything is very, very uncertain. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Be grateful for what you have. Look at the victories that we have every day. 
you know, maybe you had a bad day eating, tomorrow's a fresh start, right? And so always being able to look at the bright side of things, I think that's what's gonna help us get through this whole pandemic. And I think this is what's gonna help us to be more successful in the goals that we set forward moving on from today. Yeah, great advice. Well, thank you so much for being here and for giving us all those great tips. My pleasure. For more information on nutrition therapy, you can visit clevelandclinic.org slash nutrition to speak with a dietitian or to make an appointment call 216-444-3046. And to listen to more of our health essentials podcasts with our Cleveland Clinic experts, visit clevelandclinic.org slash HE podcast or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us at Cleveland Clinic One Word on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.